0: Back Buckeye Talks even means Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis after Ohio State's 20-12 to 12 win over Penn State. Another top 15 win, top 10 win for Ohio State. Notre Dame was in the top 10 when they played them, so you can say that even though they're number 15 right now. But top, another top 10 win for Ohio State. And let's just off the bat, Nathan, I'll come to you first. We did a video on this, and I think it's a worthy discussion to start things off here. Can Ohio State win a national <laughs> championship on the back of its defense? I think it's going to have to.
1: What are, what other are choice do they have? They can't run the ball, like that. that second half today, one point one yards per carry, sack adjusted, uh, in the second half. Uh, maybe Trevin Henderson helps out, Maybe not. I'm not trying to start on a negative side. So let's. So I I just don't think they're. I just don't think they're going to see the explosiveness on offense this year that we're accustomed yeah. to. I just don't know that it's ever going to get there. But this defense is great. So let's just talk. Let's let's make sure I'm talking about it from that perspective. Talking to myself here. Um. I mean, this defense today. Yes, there were a couple of plays that it gave up. Um, you know, Penn State weirdly had like its most success on first down. know it was at one point in this game where it had 15, it had four plays of 15 or more yards. They were all on first down. And then like at one point it was like six out of seven. And, um, but then Ohio State kept putting, like, it, this was, I thought, just a little bit of a masterclass by Jim Knowles. Like he put this game on Drew Aller. Like they stopped the run often enough, early enough on early downs that consistently they had to make plays on third down and they could not make any plays on third down. I mean, Penn State couldn't. Ohio State made all the plays in this game on third down up until there was finally a a, a penalty that gave Penn State its first third down conversion of the game. But they were over 12 at that point, which is just insane for a game of, of, of this magnitude and two teams of, of this caliber. and. It was multiple different guys, right? I mean, it was. I can think of a big third down play Jordan Hancock made. I can think of a big third down play that two that um, Josh Proctor made. I can think of a big third down play that uh, JT Two made. Like, and I'm those are just three off the four off the top of my head. And it seemed like every time it was somebody new. And and Penn State bailed them out with some drops too. Don't get me wrong. Like this was not a stellar offensive performance, and it, Penn State is not an upper echelon offensive team by by any stretch, but. The the this the way I wrote it in the game thing that I wrote after the game, the thing I sent at the buzzer was that this isn't just a this isn't just a defense. that's like raising the floor. Um, it's like they're it's kind of like they're Atlas now, like the they're the, the whole this this team is like on their shoulders. They can lift everything that this team is capable of this year and might have to because I just don't think that this is a team that can score consistently enough to win a shootout against another great offense. This defense is going to have to hold that offense down to give its offense a chance.
0: Andrew, same question. I mean, do you think this defense, this offense, I mean this Ohio state team can win a national championship on the back of its defense and does is it going to have to,
2: Ohio state is going to have to win on the back of its defense, but they can't win on the back of its defense. Like they've been doing, if that makes sense. Because, you know, I brought this up in one of our post game videos. Ohio State has played two top 10 teams and great for Ohio State. They won both of those games. You know, you beat Notre Dame in a thriller. You win by three and you beat Penn State 20 to 12 in a game that spiritually was not a one possession game like on the scoreboard. It was it was absolutely not a one possession game. Kind of the feel of that for the whole game. So I understand like you held Notre Dame to 14 and Penn State to 12 that's outstanding. That uh, Two top 10 teams, 26 points, A plus, good job. But I want to add the caveat here that there are better offense, like th- those, you, I think you could make the argument that Penn State and Notre Dame are solid top 10 teams, but they're not top 10 offenses by any means. So Better offenses are coming. Like they're on the horizon. Like Michigan has, I think, a better offense than both Notre Dame and and Penn State does. I certainly think they've got the better quarterback. So the road is going to get harder for Ohio State's defense. Now, you can win games on the back of your defense. You can do what they've been doing because I think that this defensive performance that they've had for these last couple of weeks is repeatable, right? I don't think anybody's going to look at this and say, ah, kind of a fluke, you know, or this, I don't think that's repeatable, or I don't think you can do this every week. Yes, absolutely. You can. Yes, absolutely. You can have good defensive performances every single week. But when you play teams like Michigan and whenever you get, I mean, if you get to the big 10 championship game, you're not going to have to deal with it. But when you get to the playoff, like if you have to play a Washington or, uh, an Oklahoma or uh, insert team here, like the road is going to get harder. So you can win on the back of your defense, but the offense does have to step it up a notch because I understand that the defense is lights out and the defense has been lights out, but who on the outside for Penn State and Notre Dame scares you? Right. Like who did did Sam Hartman or Drew, Drew Aller, certainly we can talk about him later, but Drew Aller and Sam Hartman, did they really like strike fear into you? Maybe like a Michael Penix Jr. would? No, I don't think so. You know, so a a Jordan Travis, maybe. So the road's going to get harder. The road is going to get more difficult for Ohio State's defense, which you would say they're going to allow more points down the line. But you can win games because your defense makes stops, makes stands, makes turnovers. You just need your offense to do a little bit more because right now, you know, I mentioned Ohio State's allowed 26 points in these top 10 games. They've only scored 37 points in these top 10 games. You know, they in two games, they've scored 37 points. Now, granted, really good defenses, but there's going to be really good defenses down the line. So the offense has to step it up because the defense is going to have harder challenges moving forward, but that doesn't mean the defense can't win you games and win you games in big-time moments against big-time programs. I don't think I'm worried about Michael
0: Pinnock or Jordan Travers or any other offense anymore when it comes to this defense. And I think it's because of what they've done the, against Penn State and what they've done against Notre Dame, but especially Penn State because we didn't know a lot about Penn State's offense coming into this game, and clearly we thought that they may maybe below average and they were clearly below average. But I think part of the reason they were even worse than that today is because Nathan, you mentioned it. They made Drew Aller throw the ball. And I mean like push the ball down the field. But they also made Drew Aller feel them the entire game. JT Touimaloo, he only had one tackle in this game and it came on a pretty important sack. He also had a pass breakup, but his, I don't think the box score tells the story with JT Tui out and just how much of a presence Nathan he had in this game. And you can go on down the line here. The rest of the defensive line was the same way. This secondary is missing Denzel Burke and Jermaine Matthews steps right on in there and it's very quality. And they used him in passing situations. And Penn State tried to go at him a couple of times and he held his own. Jordan Hancock playing both in the slot and outside held his own. Josh Proctor, week by week, man continues to be what we thought he would have been maybe two or three years ago, but it's finally clicking for him, Nathan. I get it. The offenses are going to get better on a playoff stage. And Ryan Day threw out that number last year of 40 points. you got to score 40 points in these playoff games. And, yes, the offense has to be better. But I am not worried about a quarterback
1: lighting up Ohio State's defense at this point. There's just so many stats here that look like I wondered coming into this game. So I picked Ohio State to win 24-20. to 20. There was a part of me that wondered, is this going to look at the end of it like it often does when Ohio State plays one of these supposedly strong Big Ten West defenses when they play Wisconsin, when they play Iowa, and then it just ends up actually being not that close. And it was better than that because I think this Penn State defense is legitimately better than some of those teams are because they always put those stats together against other Big Ten West teams. And... At the same time, like 240 total yards allowed by Ohio State against a top 10 team, 49 rushing yards allowed against a top 10 team, combined two of 19 on third and fourth down. And that third down conversion, like I said, was a penalty. So you take that away, one of 18 combined on third and fourth down in this game. That alone is just a kind of a mind boggling stat. Uh, 3.5 yards per play allowed. I mean, they just. They completely ground Penn State into the ground, to use that word in two different ways, I guess. Like, they just smothered this team. And it was really interesting listening to the predictions this week, because almost everybody on the Ohio State beat was still picking Ohio State to win. Because I think they were skeptical of Penn State's offense. And then everybody on the Penn State side, it seemed like, was still picking Penn State to win. And I think they were finally convinced of the talent level rising up combination of, you know, then they knew Ohio State was probably missing some key guys, which it was, which it legitimately was. And to win a game like this, I mean, I know that there are, as I said at the beginning, there are things to harp on from this game. Got to run the ball better. Got to be a little bit cleaner for Kyle McCord, et cetera, et cetera. There's definitely some offensive things that you have to talk about. You're seven and zero. You just beat your second top ten team of the season. You didn't have your starting running back, a thousand yard receiver, one of the best defensive backs in the country. None of them played in this game. Look what you get to build to now for the next four weeks and take it up to Michigan. Like I think that this should be. I'm curious because I know that you sent out a a, a survey, Stephen, and kind of tried to take the temperature a little bit. Like I mm-hmm. don't you have to be ecstatic right now if you're an Ohio State fan. Like you have set yourself up. You have dodged two potentially um, like gut punches here between Notre Dame and Penn state. And it's not because Ohio state has like fallen into a chasm. I know that the offense isn't what it wants to be, but really it's, they just happen to be playing two really strong teams this year. If Penn state, if Penn state finishes regular season, 11 and one, but is anybody going to be shocked Or at worst 10 and two? I know that's what people are expecting now. Like, I think Ohio State fans should be really happy to be waking up Sunday morning, seven and0 with a flawed but also um, injury depleted win against a team of this caliber. Penn State wasn't really missing anybody until chop Robinson got hurt. And now look at what this like we Wisconsin next week and then three games that you're going to be favored to win by a bunch, all building you towards
2: being the best
1: team you can be for Michigan.
2: The, so I'm glad you brought up the point about the Penn State side picking Penn State because I do think it's interesting and it's notable, frankly, I think at this point that Ohio State has played two of these games where the other team that you're playing, like when, when Ohio State played Notre Dame, the Notre Dame side of things, it was the exact same. A lot of the Notre Dame writers picked Notre Dame to win that game because there was this feel of, if not now, when? Like if this Notre Dame team with Sam Hartman and everybody can't beat Ohio state, when will they ever? And I got the same vibe with this Penn state game. I think I brought this up on the preview show that I was starting to get Notre Dame vibes from this because there very much was a, if this Penn state team, they've got this talented quarterback, they've got the defense. Now, you know, Ohio state might not be this war machine offensively that they were these last couple of years. Like if this team can't win, like, like when, when can Penn state win? And, I mean, is anybody going to sit here and say that Penn State is not the third best team in the Big Ten? We just watched Minnesota beat Iowa. So there goes the argument if you wanted to make that. Like yeah. the, the Big but Ten wait, is is if, definitely – <laughs> go ahead. If, if if you think Ohio
1: State, Penn State was a defensive slog, 12 to 10.
2: And when oh, I went God. over and
1: saw that score in the fourth quarter, I was like, oh, is that like four field goals and five safeties? And if somebody had said yes, I would have been like, uh oh, sounds right.
2: Well, the – and you have you have a situation where Penn State is very – not to – I'll make a quick Penn State point. What a demoralizing loss for them for all the reasons that I mentioned. They just – they're so aggressively third place. And from the Ohio State man, perspective, to walk man. out there to, – to walk out there for Ohio State to beat. A team that is pretty consensus, top 10, like across the board. Like, I don't think anybody debated that Penn State deserved to be in the top 10 despite their schedule. And for a Penn State team that a lot of people said finally has the talent of Ohio State, and they're still the third best team in the conference. It's not like, you know, they're nobody. They're still at the top end of the conference, of the, you know, they're in that upper echelon with Ohio State and Michigan. But I think Ohio State kind of proved today that there is a very large gap between first and second and second and third and that would i mean that is just a remarkable game that i think ohio state ohio state played and that and that would like i mean ohio state fans should be thrilled that you are that much better than the third best team in the conference a team that a lot of people finally said hey look penn state can actually hang with you and ohio state just did that penn
0: state continues to be right there and it's like not it's both a compliment and an insult, because for years they're right there, but they can't get over the top. Sign up for the sex, six one four three five zero three three one five. If you want to participate in these surveys, but
1: first, I, I want to talk about that for real quick for a minute, because um, I wrote about this a little bit after the game that the Penn State rivalry is not the same as the Michigan rivalry, obviously, and and Ryan Day's got to figure out a way to win that game. The program's got to find a way to, to win that game, obviously. That's the game that takes Ohio State where it wants to go now. But we should not take for granted that he has kept his, and the program maybe is a better way to say it is has kept its boot on Penn State's throat here a little bit, right? It's a seven in a row mm-hmm. they beat in Penn State, and some of them have been tough. This was tough. Last year was tough. I mean, I know it ended up being a 13-point game or whatever, but people know it was not that tight or not that that that's that score is deceiving. Um 39-38 a few years ago. You know, the one time that Penn State gets them it's in that heartbreaking fashion with the pick 6. And but so many other games that are so close, but Ohio State has taken this team that is legitimate contender in so many ways. Like they if only they could beat Ohio State ever or Michigan mm-hmm. they've lost to Michigan two in a row too but if they could ever win one of those other games, I mean they are they're keeping they're not keeping themselves in third place but they just keep ending up there because these other two teams are so good, but if they could ever find a way to win it, it's their springboard. And Ohio state has said, no, like respectfully you're over there. Like we're still here. Michigan has fought its way up to here. Michigan keeps yeah. beating Ohio state head to head. Nothing you can say, but Penn state stays down there. And I think that Ryan day deserves some credit for taking another program. I mean, Penn state's a blue blood program. Penn state recruits at a high level. Penn state has legitimate players and keeping them down there. Now, I will say there's, there was a lot of talk this week. I thought that was like, if not now for Penn State, well, like, well, when will they ever? How about next year? Like, when all these players from Ohio State leave for the NFL and they have to go to state college, and maybe that'll, you know, when they when they put that game, maybe that'll be another whiteout next year, and that could be that could be the time that's actually syncs up the best for Penn State. But it wasn't there this year. Like, as good as that defense is, I thought it could. We we might have legitimately come out of this game talking about how. This game was decided because Penn State had recruited a defense and a defensive line that was championship level, and Ohio State had not recruited a championship level offensive line. Like that was in the back of my head that that, that could have been a narrative coming out of this game that Penn State could have just like been a buzz throw, buzz buzzsaw through them and and flattened this game. And I know you're shaking because I because some of that did creep up. But at the end of the day, that isn't how this game turned out, right? Because at the end of the day, Ohio State did still have the more complete team head to head and Penn state did not have a receiving core, a, frankly, a, a, a running game. I'm a aston- I don't know what happened with these running backs, but the, the Penn state running backs completely unimpressive. Um, and certainly the offensive line, it goes back to that conversation we were having the other night, Stephen, uh, when we were talking about um, how much should we respect this Penn state offensive line. And I do respect them to a degree. I think today was just a reflection of how, how well Ohio state has built this defense.
0: I think I stand by what I said on that pod. I don't, I was not blown away by anybody outside of Olu Fashano. And even then, and we can probably get into this, Nathan, on the rewatch, but I thought there were some times where late in that game when it mattered, JT Tweemaloa was lined up on Olu Fashano and he was winning. So, like, I, I. Olu's a first round draft pick for sure, 100%. The other four, I didn't. I came into the game thinking, I don't know if they're that much better than what Ohio State's left guard, center right guard, and right tackle are. And I leave the game still kind of feeling that way because Drew Allar was under pressure all day long. He is the epitome of you take a young quarterback and you just send pressure at him for 60 minutes and you watch him break down. And you watch him break – he threw the ball 42 times. And he completed – 18 of them for 191 yards and one touchdown. And that one touchdown came late in what is essentially garbage time at that point. And a lot of his completions came there as well. One for 16 on third down, and they were 0 of 15 at one point on third down. This is from the 614 from our Texters. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. And this is where the basis of this question comes from. Is Ohio State's defense the best unit in the country? You can 100% make that case right now. Ohio State's defense is legit good enough to keep up with anyone in the country. And with Marv, the offense is just good enough to beat everyone in front of them. I don't think that's a bad way to look at things because I do think part of this game, especially until Kyle McCord got it going in the second half, was one of these two teams has Marvin Harrison Jr. and the other one doesn't.
2: So I, I don't know if you read my stories, Stephen. Uh, that was my lead. No, I did not yet. On, I will go back on and Cleveland read it. on Cleveland.com. I wrote a story about Marvin Harrison Jr. and all the fun stuff that he did today, and that was literally my lead, almost word for word, my lead that Ohio State has Marvin Harrison Jr. and Penn State doesn't. um, I'm gonna make a plea right now. I've mentioned this kind of just when we're you know. Talking and and just kind of shooting the breeze at uh at the Woody every once in a while. I don't like when people talk about play, like when they're ready to put college players in in Canton and they're ready to put them in the Pro Football Hall of Fame or they're trying to compare them to you know NFL receivers now or NFL quarterback. I don't like that. I just want to sit back and watch Marvin Harrison Jr. be amazing. Marvin Harrison Jr. Almost like up until that last drive of the game had more yards receiving than Penn state did as a team. Like Penn state did their Penn state's entire receiving core. And I don't think it's a ridiculous question to say Penn state magically trades for Marvin Harrison Jr. Before the game. Does Penn state win? I don't think it's insane to think about it. (laughs) If, If Penn state has Marvin Harrison Jr. Do they win that game? Like. Marvin Harrison Jr. is so good and I, ju- I want to appreciate how good he is because there were like he like where would this offense be without Marvin Harrison Jr. And I, it, it, I I'm just I'm so impressed by by how good he is. And yeah, I mean, that texture's is right. Like the defense is good enough and how like this isn't a Penn State problem. This isn't a Notre Dame problem. This isn't a Michigan. Who in this country has has a guy that can match up with Marvin Harrison Jr. on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, like I understand there are great players, don't get me wrong. You know, there are great receivers that Ohio State's going to run into. There are great running backs that Ohio State's going to run into if they make it down the line. But, you know, I mean, you think about like a Brock Bowers. Like there ain't there ain't nobody like Brock Bowers in the country. But there also isn't anybody like Marvin Harrison Jr. in the country and to have that guy, I think you walk into every single game with a chess piece that other teams just don't have. And yeah, you, I think that that's absolutely a fine way to look at it because the defense is great. And I have. we'll talk about the defense in a little bit. I, I want to see some more stuff, and I'll bring that up later. But the defense is great, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is just on another planet. So when you have him on your offensive side of the ball, it's hard to feel bad about what you're doing offensively because you know you can just throw it up to eighteen.
0: Nathan, in two games against Penn State in his career, Marvin Harrison jr. has twenty one catches for three hundred and forty seven yards. And I think all but one of those catches were for a first down and a touchdown. We're talking about the defense. can they uh, 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 for a first down that's that's ridiculous. Is that texture onto something because we're talking about can they win the defense win a national championship on the backs of their defense? This is without a Mecca on the field. So uh, assuming that a Mecca comes back eventually this season, is that enough? Is that all you need is those two guys, especially with the way Marvin Harrison jr. Is playing right now, plus this defense and maybe I'll even throw Kate Stover in there who has been a quality tight end option and really has been the number two guy the last two weeks. Is that enough? Regardless of what else is going with the run game and everything else.
1: With Ibuka back, maybe. And with Stover in that mix, I mean, maybe. I still think you have to. Here's here's the thing we have to remember. Like I said, I, I cited that stat before. They averaged 0.8 yards per carry in the second half, Ohio State did today. And and it wasn't a complete meltdown from the running game today. Like, they looked good in the first half. I thought Chip Trainum came out and ran physically and kind of set a tone then he had kind of a screw-up I thought in pass protection and all of a sudden mine Williams is in the game and mine Williams I thought was running hard between the tackles like giving them a little bit of a spark and then a combination of I think they got I think the maybe the offensive line got worn down possibly something I don't know the Penn State's defensive line just started playing better Ohio State was getting stretched out again with the way that it runs the ball taking guys like mine Williams and trying to stretch him to the sideline and I'm just it, it it really slogged down in the second half .8 yards per carry you adjust it for the one sack that day, uh, that uh, McCord took it's 1.1 That's still a miserable 30 minutes of running the football and I know it's a big 10 and I know Penn State's a great defense but you're you're not trying to play down to that you're trying to find a way through and over and around that and I think that still has to happen in these next five weeks. I don't like their chances of winning in Ann Arbor. who knows what the weather will be if that's all they can do on the ground you know what I'm saying? So that's the caveat I'm putting here. Plus let's not forget Chop Robinson, Penn state's great defensive end gets hurt in this game and is not a factor. So now add a, now now put a healthy Chop Robinson in the game for some of those possessions where Ohio state's getting like one yard on first down and now Chop Robinson's going to work. and, And instead he's in the locker room or whatever. Like we don't know how that affects this game. It's a one score game at the end. And, Um, I'm not making any kind of excuses here because Ohio State clearly legitimately went out and took this game and won it I'm just saying that that's a reminder of you might not get so fortunate for and I don't I hate using that word when a guy gets hurt you might not be so fortunate not to have an opposing team's best defensive player on the field anymore when you're being so shut down in in becoming one-dimensional the way Ohio State did in the second half I do think there has to be a, it doesn't have to be a breakthrough to being a team that now is averaging six yards a carry, but it's it that second half. If we had said coming into this game that second half of running the ball that Ohio State has will be worse than the Maryland game, because we had been we we brought up the Maryland game this week and said they can't have a running game where they're getting three, two, zero, negative one, two, one, two, and that's it was worse than that. At times in the second half today, and they still find a way to win the game because this defense just owned this game.
2: Can I ask you guys a question real quick? Like, are we are we at the point, or maybe you guys were or are at the point now? Like, are we at the point where you just say this is the running game is hopeless and there's there's no there's no way to fix this? Like, because I'm. there's se- you're seven. Like I understand. I, I, oh, that's fine. And, and I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not ready to like to totally just say they they can't fix this. This is just something they have to live with. Like th- I think you are getting there though, because it's like, you are seven games into the season. Like if they make the big 10 championship game and then lose in the playoff semifinal season's halfway over. Like at, like at some point you are what you are now. I understand that they've played two really good defenses in those seven games, but it's like, the longer that this goes on, the more, uh, the more y- you just have to say the, like the running game isn't there. And and I don't, I, and you just have to start to find a workaround for it and just say, we can't run the ball. We're not going to be able to run the ball. We've got to fix it. So I, I was curious on your guys' perspective on that because I'm not there, but I'm getting close because you're seven games into this already. At some point, you're either going to do this or you're not. Uh, uh, Go ahead, Nathan. Uh, well,
1: uh, so two things. They've got time still to work on this. And listen, Wisconsin's not that good. I said before the year I thought that was a game they're gonna lose. I didn't expect Wisconsin to be this bad. I think they're gonna win pretty comfortably yep. in Madison next week. Um and not not bad, but mediocre. I thought they'd just be better than this. Uh Fickle will build towards that. I think they will be a problem long term for other teams in the Big Ten. I just don't think it's gonna happen this year to Ohio State as as um as intimidating as it can be up there. And then you've got three weeks against um Michigan State, Rutgers, and Minnesota—that you get to build like those are—I'm I'm, going to call them scrimmages. But you've got some, you got some time to work here and keep building towards the running game. Maybe what you know we've been asking a couple weeks ago—are these really the five best guys to, to be on this offensive line? Maybe that answer changes as we get farther into the season and there's more development and more practice. I don't know. That's one angle. There's also they've played these last three weeks without Trevian Henderson, who I still do think is their best running back. Win healthy and certainly is the guy that could most easily, um, even if you're getting, even if it is a slog, like he showed it, like they showed it in Notre Dame, right? Even if you are having a tough time consistently running the ball, he's the guy who can take the one and take it to the house and have it be a game changing moment. So that's that's two things. The other thing that um, and I I started tracking this at the start of the game and then I got away from it. And it's definitely a point that needs to be brought up. In fact, there's probably texters yelling at me or as they're listening to this or or listeners uh, yelling at us as we're talking about this. So first quarter, Ohio State threw the ball 14 times and ran it seven times. Mm -hmm. And that was a Mm -hmm. balance that we had talked about coming in like, oh, maybe they'll come out in Georgia. This thing they'll come out and throw the ball first and set up the run that way or just throw the ball to throw the ball because they've got great receivers and that's the other thing that could be in play in some of these bigger games I just think that when you do run the ball those seven times when they ran the ball those times in the first half it was crisp and it was clean and they were getting production in the second half they went away from that because they were in control of the game they knew Penn State couldn't run the ball couldn't move the ball on them was not going to get in the end zone and I think that was some game control some clock control it was a little bit conservative and it was i think you know discretion better part of valor sort of thing i think in a matchup game they would come out and and do as they did early in this game and if this game were more back and forth i think you would have just seen them throwing the ball a lot more in the second half than they did today
0: Nathan did you think last year Ohio State's run game was incompetent incompetent
1: yeah no.
0: Okay. I don't either. I thought it was bad at times, but I never thought it was incompetent.
1: And right it was, now, it was. It feels baffling. It, yeah. You know what I mean? It was baffling. The but, short yardage yeah, stuff has was, been baffling. Yeah. I would never yeah, call them incompetent. Yeah. It's. It was. Like, yeah. Today it felt
0: incompetent yeah. after the first quarter, and I think that's my issue with it. Is no, I and I, I know, everybody knows, I'm the most, just throw it every single time, dude, on this pod. I still think they should throw it when it matters. And as you just pointed out, Nathan, it mattered. And it came out, first 21 plays, 14 throws, 7 runs. Now, some of those were extensions of the run game, but the point of the matter is, they put the ball in the air. But the thing about the Georgia game, they didn't run it that much, but it was competent when they did it. Whether it was Mayan Williams' touchdown in the red zone, or when they did give it to Dallin nine times that game, or they did run it with Xavier, they, I think they ran some some uh, uh, jet sweeps to the mecca. But it was competent, even if it wasn't strong. Right now, it doesn't feel competent, and that's a problem. You can't be you are what you are with incompetency and think you're going to win a national title, let alone win the Big Ten. You can't. You can't. That that can't happen. You can't be all of your running backs are. Two and a half or around like now they lost Devin Brown, which Ryan Day did admit they wanted to do more with Devin Brown in that Devin in that red zone package this week, but they lost him. He rolled. He said he rolled his ankle, so maybe that's part of it. So fine, but that's just in one section of the game. Mayan Williams being twenty four carries for sixty two yards and a touchdown is not good. That's not cutting it. Kip Trandum being nine carries for twenty two yards. That's not cutting it, and that's not just on the running backs. That's just, that's on the offensive line just as much. But I do think you brought up Travion Henderson, Nathan. I thought where they missed Travion, where the explosive play was there, was on Chip's screen pass. Chip took it for nineteen yards. I think I think Trey would have scored on that play because, and that's just the difference of explosiveness that one guy has that another guy has. So to your point, against Notre Dame, it was choppy the entire game, but eventually, Travion Henderson popped one for sixty-one, and that's what you, That's why he's the most valuable back in this room is when it's bad for most of the day he's eventually going to do something that skews the numbers because he just popped one for 40, and it's a touchdown. Right now, they don't have that because Travion Henderson is questionable every single week, even though we've, we're seeing that he is at practice, we're seeing him go through warm-ups, and yet he's not playing. So you don't have that weapon. And so when you don't have the explosiveness, and you're not getting a push on the offensive line, and there's no holes, and guys are getting hit at the line of scrimmage, that's when your board line on incompetency and that's what i saw outside of the first quarter today and that's not okay they're not going to win they're not going to beat michigan or win a national
1: championship playing like that but maybe penn state's as good as they see all year at that that's true i mean penn state came into this game penn state came into this game ranked i think second barely among at least power five teams in um, yards allowed per carry so i mean they have stifled run attacks through their, every game they played coming into this game. So take that into consideration, too, that, you know, Ohio State was testing itself against it. It may not face a defensive front that stops the run this well all season. Now, Ryan Day also, though, did say, I mean, Ryan has also alluded to, and, you know, the other thing that doesn't make sense to me sometimes is, um, why they aren't still capitalizing more often against the pass if teams are taking the runaway this way. But I think again, that's something that just gets addressed and can grow over the course of the next four weeks. But now I feel like we're getting, I feel like we're getting more negative again. <laughs> I mean, they just won. this is a huge game. This, they just won the biggest game in college football this weekend.
0: I sent a question to our texters. That was simply a feelings question, but it was just, tell me your feelings. Is it awesome? They just be the top 10 team. You should just be excited about it. And then it was, I feel good. It's a win. A win is a win, even if it's ugly. And then just okay, this team is in trouble. And then a little nervous. Those were the, the, the options. I'm not going to make you guys guess, awesome. We just beat a top 10 team. one resoundingly. And that's, I, I hope Great. you're Great. right. We are being a little too negative here, but they just beat a top 10 team. That's a big win. They are the only team in the well, country who can say that they have twice gotten onto a field with a team who was ranked top 10 at the time that they played them and beat them. There is some, that that matters, and we'll get into that after the break as well, but that matters, and that needs to be pointed out more than anything else. This was an ugly win, but it was still a win over a really good football team.
1: And more important than it being a top 10 win, it's, you want a potential Big Ten championship elimination game. Yep. And
0: that's, it's, 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 a win is a win, and sometimes that's okay to say, even if we do still have to break down some of this other stuff. We're going to take a quick break there, and when we come back, we're going to discuss Kyle McCord and a few other things. Can we come back on Buckeye Talk? And we're back. Andrew, I'll start with you this time. Kyle McCord, 22 of 35, 286 yards, and a touchdown. But I believe in the second half, he was 11 of 14. I believe that my math might be off a little bit there, but... What are we supposed to make of Kyle McCord? It's almost because this is the second time where he's played a big time team where the first half is kind of all over the place, but then they come out of halftime and it starts clicking. What are we like like what do you what what do you make of that? Just make sense of what people should think of Kyle McCord seven games into his career as a full time starter for Ohio State.
2: I don't think I can make sense of it. And that's why I'm holding my head right now because I don't know. Um, I gave, uh, a, a, to, I won't give the reasoning, but I'll give the grade. I gave a B minus in our YouTube video. Go check out why I said B minus. The more I think about it, the more I probably would say C plus because with Kyle McCord, the promise was always the floor, right? Like, like when, when he became the starting quarterback, it was Ryan, you could kind of read between the lines with Ryan and Ryan was saying, look, we need guys who are consistent we need guys who are not going to make mistakes. We need guys to be the same every day. And, and you could kind of get the sense that both players, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord were a little bit maybe erratic. And I don't mean like throw their throws are erratic. I mean, their performances were erratic because he said there were guys that, you know, he thought one was pulling away and he thought he was going to name the starter. And then a couple of days later, he's like, Oh, well maybe not. So, so, the, but the floor with Kyle, that was always the the allure, right? Like that was what we discussed in, in August when this whole thing was going on of, well, you know that Kyle McCord, everybody talks about his, he's just even keeled all the time and he'll get better. And I think he has improved. The thing that would scare me and the reason why I lean more towards C plus is that the plays – that make you go, yeah, oh no! Are right? Are they're there? They're 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 on they're they're, they're they're inches. I hope you like that. Do story. that again. Do, nope. do that again. Nope. Um, <laughs> I hope I hope you guys like that. But they're right there. I, and trust me, any everybody listening to this, we all have our own fandoms, and you watch your favorite sports team. Whenever your favorite sports team does something a little nerve wracking, everybody makes that sound or something similar. So I know the people listening to this know what I'm talking about. But Comic Court has those plays. And too many of them for your liking, because the Notre Dame game, you know, the you saw growth from him there, right? You saw the plays that he made, and you also saw right after one of those plays, and I'll keep bringing it up, like he hit a Notre Dame safety in the hands and, you know, very well could have ended that game right there. And then the Penn State game, or excuse me, the Purdue game, you know, you have that like grounding kind of weird where he tries to get rid of the ball, the Maryland game, the the negative 18 yard pass because he's getting sacked and he tries to flip it out at the last second and it turned out. Okay. But that's not a play you want to make today. There were just some throws where you're like, it, it, I'm not going to do the noise again, but you get what I'm saying. Like there was that throw. They were do, up. No, 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 nope. no.
0: You have to do the noise again.
2: Yeah you have to do No. Yeah, Thank there you. we go. Uh, <laughs> they were, but they're, they're up by seven and they throw the out route, which I didn't agree with. I wouldn't have called, I wouldn't call the pass play on that, but they're up by seven and they throw the out route and he throws that high and inside. And that is, The opposite of where you want to throw an out route. If you're going to throw an out route anywhere, it better be outside to where it's going to hit somebody on the sideline. And that was almost dangerous because Penn State was not a threat really to score at any point when that game was not in garbage time. But that's not a throw you can make. You know, the Cade Stover play, we can talk about how great of a, a catch that was because it was a fantastic catch by Cade Stover. I feel like every week we just, we always say, shout out a bunch of people. And then at some point we're like, oh, by the way, Cade Stover, pretty nice game. So shout out Cade Stover again. Um, great catch there. But again, that's a dangerous throw. Did That throw to Marv down the seam where it's a dangerous throw and it got deflected because he stared at Marv. And there are just these plays, and then obviously you have the, the overturned fumble that, you know, I, I mean, McCord was not going to get that ball off, you know, even if there was no defensive holding, so he got bailed out on that one. Like, there are just too many of those plays that make you feel completely comfortable with Kyle McCord right now. There are too many of those negative plays that you don't want to happen that make you feel like there's still a lot more to grow both in floor and ceiling from Kyle McCord. So I think he's he's absolutely getting better. I think he's absolutely improving, but the, the floor is what would worry me because the negative plays and the plays that can kill you. And frankly, like the Penn state was not a threat really to beat you offensively. And you know, so so maybe those plays wouldn't have hurt you, but if that happens against Michigan and, That happens against Michigan. I know we've said this all year where, oh, he can't do this against Penn State. Oh, he can't do this against Wisconsin. Well, he's gotten away with it. But at some point, you're not going to get away with it. So I'd feel good about where you're at with Kyle McCord through seven games but I wouldn't feel great about where you're at with Kyle McCord through seven games because the ceiling he's still working towards. You knew that this was going to be something that he was growing towards throughout the season, but the floor is what scares me because there still are these moments where it feels like the floor could kind of bottom out at some point if a play goes wrong or play goes wrong here or a turnover gets made here, and that's what would scare me. So counterpoint. Let's hear. There are moments, and I, I'm. This is
1: coming from the person who asked Ryan Day and Kyle McCord both about this this week, and wrote a piece for Cleveland.com about how McCord was getting a little loose with it against Purdue, and how he had to clean that up. And Kyle McCord himself said that that was a make or break aspect of this game potentially, and that it was a it was a point of emphasis this week to be cleaner with it. And then, what did you have on the same possession? You had a ball that was as interceptable of a non-interception that anyone has thrown this season, probably. And then you had the strip sack scoop and score that wasn't because, and yes, there was defensive holding on the play, but Ryan Day acknowledged that after the game too, when he was asked about it. He brought up that play and said like, yes, there was defensive holding. That's why he's double clutch, but you can't do that. Like you can't do that because he knows, Ryan Day knows, that the official's not always going to see that. And you, you're you not always going to get that benefit of the doubt. You're not always going to get that. So you've got to be cleaner with it. Now, having said all of that, those are, they are moments. I don't feel, I don't feel like there's been a regression. I don't feel like the floor has lowered. I feel like there are things he has to clean up. And it's why I think, I was glad to hear, Stephen, that you said that, that the overwhelming, um, you know, opinion coming out of this game was kind of one of elation, right? Because
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Ohio state comes out of this game and gets to take all of the things that Penn state exposed and work on them for the next four weeks and try to beat Michigan. Like not to disrespect these other four opponents, but that's basically what's about to happen. Right. And I think that Kyle McCord is sort of chief among that because he is going to have to do what, J.J. McCarthy came down to Ohio Stadium and did last year. You have to go into their place and take the championship away from them. And uh, not in the case of McCarthy. You didn't have to take it away. He already had it. Michigan already had it. But you know what I'm saying. Like it's it, There's going to be a lot on Kamakor's shoulders at that point. So I think if he were making... I think if these were even more abundant than they were, that's where the worry would kick in for me a little bit. And I'm not dismissing them. Again, like I said, I wrote a piece... Asking them both, "Hey, don't you have to clean this up?" And then being like, "Yes, but I, it is a fixable thing." I don't look. I guess I don't look at it and say, "Oh, he just doesn't know what is going on there." That's a chronic problem. I think he has just gotten loose with it as a young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback, might at times, especially against Penn State. I think if it doesn't get better, though, we have, we're as you said, we're at the middle of the season. It is getting later. Um. <laughs> there's a there's a they might be Giants" song uh for people who know they might be giants doug doug logs doug used to love it when i brought up like things that only middle-aged white people know the band they might mm. be giants but it's like shocking that the other says, middle-aged <laughs> white person knew but, about this <laughs> but the lyric says the lyric is you're older than you've ever been and now you're even older and now you're even older and now you're even older mm. and that's kind of how it is in a season it's like oh it's getting late and then you play the next one it's even later And, uh, but Cal McCord with every throw is getting older in this game with every snap, he's getting older and more mature and, and, um, with a more refined perspective, you would think with every snap he plays. So I think that there is still, he certainly thinks that there is the way he talked after the game, that there is a, there is, they know what the problems are. They see the potential if they they believe if they clean up the problems, including the mistakes that he has either made or almost made, that there that that thing that we have thought maybe this offense could unlock is there. But I but I'm not dismissing that it's it, I I I definitely know that when fans watch these games and they see that as 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 Andrew is so um um aptly um, accurately describing with that sound effect yep um. I get it, and you know that, I mean, again, that game changes today in a huge way if the official doesn't see that defensive holding or just sees it differently. It's a judgment call. If if he doesn't throw that flag, then that's 60 yards the other way. That ended up being a 14-point swing, just mm-hmm. huge in a game that ends up being decided by eight points. I'm
0: not, I'm not totally sold that Ohio State wins that game if that doesn't get called back. Just because of how Ohio sure. State's offense was moving at that point. Here's my issue with it. It wasn't really a problem the first four weeks. Because it was just, you know, normal, brand new starting quarterback stuff. But they come back against Maryland and he has the strip sack. That's clearly his fault. And he has the pitched it to chip train them instead of taking the sack where it's like, what are you doing? And then against Purdue, he has the Should have been a fumble. They called it back and make an intentional grounding. And then he does it again this week. We're now three weeks into it, and he's done it three straight weeks. And I agree that the decision in an isolated situation is a fixable issue. But habits are habits. And three weeks in, you start building a habit. And right now, it's not costing them because either the ref happens to throw a flag or they go review it and realize it's intentional grounding. As a matter of fact, no, he did have. He had it against Notre Dame, too. He had an intentional grounding. So it goes back even further than that. Right now, it's not costing them points. It's not costing them wins. But I think I do agree with Andrew. You only get away with stuff so many times before eventually it catches up to you. That's my issue with it. It's this isolated issue that... If it happens once, it's like, okay, go look at the film. Hey, that was stupid. Let's not do that again. Cool. Let's move on from it. You do it a second time. It's like, yo, you got what you, what you doing? What you are being careful for? And then you do it three, four weeks in a row. And it does kind of become, as Andrew, you were talking about what the run game, you are who you are. It does become you are who you are as a quarterback is that eventually you're going to try to do something you you don't have any business doing. And CJ Stroud and Justin Fields had it too. Theirs just showed up in different ways. Justin Fields has really showed up against Indiana in 2020. I think CJ Stroud's really showed up against Iowa where he's trying to force balls in the holes where they shouldn't be trying to go. I think this is like Kyle McCord's I'm trying to make a play in a situation where I don't need to be making a play. and. If he doesn't clean it up, it's going to show up eventually.
2: Well, so, and with partial respect to Notre Dame's offense, because they actually ran the ball in Ohio State, and with zero respect to Penn State's offense, because they did diddly poo, uh, what happens when you are in a game that, look, forget forget a close game. Forget, like, what happens if you're in a game where you're down? You know, what happens if you get to the Michigan game and you're down 17 to seven. And all of a sudden that bites you mm-hmm. in the butt. And now you've got to go back or you get to the college football playoff. And all of a sudden, Washington's running a billion plays a minute. And you numbers approximate, obviously. And you get to a point where Michael Penix Jr. goes down the field scores, Ohio State kicks field goal, Penix Jr. Kicks, scores a touchdown. And then all of a sudden, your defense is it needs a break. And you get forced with that turnover again. So it's, it's not even just that it's going to burn you in a close game. It's that it can put you behind, right? It can put you behind schedule. How much have you heard Ryan day talk about being on schedule with, you know, playing on the, you know, on the right side of the chains and, you know, not putting yourself in second and long. And they've talked about that with the run game. Well, you're also putting yourself behind schedule. If you only get a certain number of possessions in a game, like in the first half, they had, let's see here, seven possessions. If one, like if that thing were, or that throw where he stared down Marv, like, or actually technically it was six because the, I guess the last possession wasn't really a possession. So you throw one interception on that drive. I mean, 10 points is 10 points, like, or the fumble gets overturned. Then you're at three, like it, it can put you behind schedule and then you're playing catch up the rest of the game. So it's not even just... Oh man, this could come at a really opportune time. It's that this can come in the first quarter, the second quarter, and all of a sudden, a game where you should be tied or should be ahead, you're now losing, or you're now losing by more than you should have been. So it, there's there's a lot of things that can that can happen with with the McCord stuff. So I, I think it'll get better. I, I'm I'm pretty confident that it'll get better, but it can really hurt you against an offense. And let's let's just call it what it is. Against an offense that has a clue, and against a quarterback that has a, and like an ability to throw the ball, and like which Penn State just did not do today. Which congratulations to Ohio State's defense—they played a great game; they deserve a lot of respect. But against an offense that can actually do some stuff, that's going to kill you.
0: So I, this is the second question to the Texans: Just write your confidence level in Kyle McCord going forward. One being the the lowest level of confidence you can have, five being the highest level of confidence you can have. Nathan, we, we've been through this enough time. We know that the middle always wins. So three ended up winning with forty seven point eight eight percent of the votes. But who do you think had more between
1: four and two? Well it's gotta be four, right?
2: Andrew?
0: Repeat that one more time.
2: Um <sighs> I'm gonna repeat that. What got
0: more votes on a scale of one to five in the confidence in Ohio State starting quarterback Kyle McCord? Two or four?
2: And five being supreme confidence. Five's the highest. But uh, in polls like this, I'm gonna say four.
0: Yeah, four one thirty-six point three six percent of the votes, and eleven point two twenty-one percent of people said two or lower. So there's still confidence, but I, I. I think we're talking about this the right way. He's not regressing as a quarterback. He's still taking small steps forward. It's just now we've seen a big enough sample size about him to know what his flaws are and if there some of his flaws if they're not fixed very quickly here you're going to get on the field with a Michigan or somewhere on a college football playoff stage. And it is going to cost you a game because the examples have presented themselves. It's just typically something happens with the refs where it gets in the way of that actually costing you because it would have cost you against Penn State. And there's a good chance Ohio State loses this game if they don't play that out. Well, last thing here, Michigan's undefeated still. and, from the looks of things their only competitive game between now and Ohio State is going to be the Penn State game Ohio State just beat Penn State and so it's just kind of a waiting game to get to the Michigan game for them as you mentioned with no with little respect to the next couple of teams on their schedule but those should probably be wins Nathan what's your confidence level that Ohio in Ohio State's chances of beating Michigan this year and what will potentially be a second straight 11-0 and versus 11-0 and in Ann Arbor at the end of November. One being the lowest, five being the highest.
1: Uh, I mean, I picked them to beat Michigan before the season. Mm-hmm. That's obviously before we actually see what this version of Ohio State looks like. And I didn't, in making that prediction, think that the offense would be at this level at that point. So I would say based on, if you look at it through that perspective, then me saying a three, which I guess is kind of like, it's still a sort of a toss up Mm -hmm. is is probably where I would land that. I, I still have confidence. Confidence isn't the right word. Like watching Ohio state, I still see a team that is setting a really impressive defensive baseline. And with so much, growth potential still in uh, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And it hasn't synced those two things up yet. And it now, like I've said many times now, gets to spend the next month building towards putting that all together for Michigan.
0: Andrews won 1-5, your confidence level. in Ohio State's chances of beating Michigan in Ann Arbor. <sighs>
2: Two and a half, because I I'm not at a three, because like if it was a scale like I I would put it kind of right down the middle, um because so that would be three. No, because well I guess, but I mean I don't, yeah fine whatever right down the middle is two and a half or three however you want to say this, uh because I. I'm higher, like, like to go back to what Nathan was saying. I'm higher on this defense than I was at the beginning of the year. I think a lot of people are. I think you guys are too. I'm I'm higher on what this defense can achieve now than I was in August or even like after the first like two or three games. But I'm also lower on the offense at this point, and I I I'm, I'm writing about this for tomorrow morning uh, in my observations. So. I don't want to give too much of it away, but, and Nathan, co- or Steve, excuse me, Steven, cover your ears. At some point you're going to have to run the ball to win or run the ball to put a team away. And I don't have faith that Ohio state can do that. Like what if you get into a situation where Michigan or playoff game or whatever, and Ohio state's up 27, 20 and you get the ball with four and a half, five minutes left at your own 15 yard line and you know you've got to milk the clock and run the ball and you know let's let's say it's michigan and michigan's got great corners and the weather's bad can you run the ball to to win the game i don't know like can the offensive line hold up against uh, you know a great defensive front like michigan i don't know i think while ohio state's defense has been outstanding, and while Ohio State deserves to be the number one team in the country when the AP poll comes out, while Ohio State deserves to be praised as the number one defense in the country, I have questions about what they've seen at the quarterback position and what they've seen on the outside. Um, So, I I, I want to see the Michigan game, frankly. I want to see them play J.J. McCarthy. I want to see them like, uh, Michigan's number one receiver whose name escapes me right now would certainly be the number one wide receiver on Notre Dame and, and Penn State, so I want to see Denzel Burt go up against a, a dude who is is good. And I want to see Ohio State play, you know, a, a genuine, maybe high-level NFL quarterback. Uh, cause Drew Aller is not there yet, if I mean certainly not. And Sam Hartman is is not going to be there. He's kind of a mid-round guy. So I'm I'm very I'm coin flip at this point because I I have questions about the defense facing a better offense or an offense that can can throw the ball, really, because they haven't really seen that this year. And I I worry about the offensive line holding up. But every team in the country has got warts, and Ohio State has won two top 10 games kind of in spite of them. So I think you have to give them praise and say that they deserve it. But I Michigan's really good, and I have questions.
0: I think we're going to learn a lot about Michigan on November 11th when they play Penn State. Because they haven't played anybody yet. And I think Penn State's really good, especially defensively. Offensively, eh. But defensively, they're very good. And J.J. McCarthy has been super, super efficient this year. And I'm wondering, can that keep up to some extent when he gets on the field with a top five defense? And so that game's at noon on November 11th. Ohio State plays Michigan State that week. And that's a 7.30 kickoff, I believe. If I'm – please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's a 7 So we'll be able to watch that game yeah. ahead of the Ohio State-Michigan State game and just – well, first of all, we'll know a lot. We'll know what Ohio State is facing heading into Ann Arbor because if Penn State wins that game, Ohio State wins the Michigan game. They're going to the Big Ten Championship game. And if Michigan beats Penn State, then either way, Ohio State beats Michigan. <laughs> They're going to the Big Ten Championship game. So we we kind of know that already, but we're going to be able to watch that Michigan. That Ohio State Penn excuse me that Michigan Penn State game ahead of that Ohio State Michigan State game and learn a lot about Michigan. So that right now is why I'm out of three. Our Texas were also out of three, but there were more people who were four and higher than there were two and higher. And I do think a lot that what they saw today is part of the reason for why. But I do think until we find out, I think we all think Michigan is good. I just don't think we know how good yet, and so it's hard to come to terms with whether or not we think Ohio State can compete with them because right now it's a combination of Michigan's look dominant but also they've beaten Ohio State the last two years so that will wrap up the game pod Nathan and I will be back on Monday with the rewatch of Ohio State Penn State game which I think will be a pretty good rewatch because there's a lot to watch both on offense and defense and then Andrew and myself will come back on Tuesday with the recruiting pod and before you know it we'll be right back at the Woody Talking with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles as they prepare to take on Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. First time, I think, since 2017 that they've been to Madison, Wisconsin, at Camp Randall, that game next Saturday. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. All that information coming to your phone first before it goes anywhere else. Two-week free trial, three ninety nine. dollars after that. For Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means. And that was Buckeye Talk.